0: We did an Instagram post and it was the call to action was invest like a woman. Mm -hmm. It was we're going to do an all female round. And we raised our investment round in two weeks from Mm -hmm. an Instagram post. And it wasn't female founders. It was successful women who have a disposable income that wanted to invest in a company they believed in.
1: Coming up on today's podcast, we're talking to Bonnie Lister-Parsons, the CEO of School of SOS, which is a dance platform, and she basically describes dance as the train and tech as the train tracks. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to technology leaders, try and share some of the insight that they've got for the community and also a little bit of tech news for anyone who's just generally interested in the industry and sector. So, hope you enjoy the show.
2: Happy Advent! Happy Advent! is number yeah. two today, right?
1: Yeah. Have you been opening chocolates?
2: Yeah, I did get desk. one. Yeah. yeah, I got I got one that looks like the Big Ben. It um, looks like
1: Big Ben. Yeah, I
2: got an advent calendar that looks like Big Ben. Oh, hang on, is that is that
1: the um, Dairy Milk one?
2: No, it's not Dairy Milk. Oh, it's it's um the after after eight chocolates.
1: Oh, mm, very nice. After, like so them. you've got after eight. Yeah. Evie.
2: Mine Mine's from Hotel Chocolat.
3: Oh. Just Just plain milk chocolate. But I, I'm actually really jealous of the After Eight
2: one. Really? Yeah? yeah, I just got it for the way it looked. I don't actually like After Eight. <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> could you what? not like no,
1: no, no, no. After Eight? After are Eights are brilliant.
2: Yeah. Can we switch? Not a huge fan. Yes, no. What afterwards? I'll just <laughs> give like, them all yeah. he's to you. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I've got Thornton's Continental.
3: Oh. <laughs> are <laughs> they like the different kind of chocolates mm. in each one? It's quite posh. Exciting, isn't it? It do mm. not it that you are missing out. Mm. Dun,
2: dun, dun. She's got After Eights.
1: Well, okay. Fine. But you know, there's only one after eight, and then it, you know, same thing for Actually, 25 days. Actually,
2: no, there's not. I popped open the first one. To my surprise, it was white chocolate.
1: Oh, ever seen that? No. no.
2: Exactly. Neither no.
1: That <laughs> you know what else has a wonderful amount of variety? What dance?
3: It does. It does. I like what you did there. It's
1: seamless. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, we are talking to Bonnie. She is the CEO of School of SOS, which is an offshoot seen on screen. Uh, So loads of talk about dance, but more specifically because technology is enabling dance to be taken to all corners of the world. And then afterwards, uh, Evie and I will try and chat about it. And Alyssa will talk about it because apparently she is a dancer.
2: Contemporary, yeah.
1: Contemporary? Yes,
2: but a very long time ago, I lost all my technique, I can tell you that much. Now I just dance in the club. No, I'm joking, I don't do that either. You do, you're amazing. Yeah, okay. I'll
1: let you two have a love in. We'll we'll, (laughs) we'll, we'll, we'll play the episode and then afterwards we'll have a chat. Oh, and there'll be some tech news towards the end of the show. On today's podcast, we're talking to Bonnie Lister-Parson, who is the founder of... Seen on screen. I was going to say School of SOS. (laughs) (laughs) Seen on screen Uh, and School of SOS. Yes. Which is an offshoot of Seen on Screen. Sure is. Some people may have been to your dance classes. Many won't have been. So it's worth saying what is Seen on Screen and getting you to explain first of all.
0: Seen on screen, depends how much time you've got. If you're, like, in a hurry, scene on screen teaches you how to dance like Beyonce. Right. <laughs> um, with just you...
1: Beyonce? I assume not. No,
0: it's Rihanna, Britney, Christina Aguilera, Ariana Grande. Yep. I mean, Lizzo's huge at the moment as well. It's just, if you want to, like, close your eyes and imagine a performance, right. picture Beyonce, and that's what we do.
1: Lizzo? Yeah. I, I, see, I'm so out of it. I have no oh my idea God, Lizzo is.
0: She's phenomenal. <laughs> she... She's so huge on body confidence. She's a, right. a big girl.
1: Right, okay. And
0: she's like, hell yeah, I'm a big girl. And she goes on stage in hot pants and plays the flute while twerking. She's a legend.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so you started this dance school because you yourself had a background as a dancer. The background yes. probably, but that's, that's slightly underplaying it. Yes. What, so so what, what did you do previously?
0: So I was a professional backing dancer. Yep. So I grew up obsessed with Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to do from the age of 14, which was become a backing dancer after going to a Britney Spears concert. Right. Um, just a bit of extra background. My dad worked in the music industry. Why
1: specifically a backing dancer and not just a dancer? Is there a difference? Yeah. Right, well, okay. no, there's not
0: a difference. There's lots of different kind of dance you can do. You can be a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. but then you have to it's your body chooses you for ballet yes that makes sense you have to be a certain height and a certain
1: build and whatever else. yeah
0: um and ballet never really appealed to me you could be in musical theater but that didn't really appeal to me it's very cheesy and i'm not i'm more like a drop it low kind of girl
1: right
0: um whereas commercial dance was the music i loved it was right in front of me on smash hits and top of the pops and mtv and it was just me and i just loved it um so yeah, my dad was in music and he was a concert promoter. Right. So his job was to promote people like Britney Spears. So when Britney would come into town, I that was a terribly
1: difficult job in the late nineties.
0: Yeah. Well, no, it was. It's 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 fascinating. My dad is like a business mentor to me in lots of ways. Yeah. And he also pulls me up on. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I don't think.
1: Well, I'm there gonna. isn't really a watershed, but okay. People do. He
0: pulls me up on my shit. Yeah. Um. And it was phenomenal being able to see him grow a business and the highs and lows and one year it'd be amazing, the next year it would all it would, you know, be nail biting and then mm-hmm. it'd go back up again. Um but it meant that I grew up basically going to concerts from the from the moment I was born.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, backstage at concerts too, which makes me super bougie now. <laughs> it's a struggle going to a concert as a normal person. And um Yeah, so I would, like it was after school I think, I'd kind of rock up at the NEC in Birmingham and I went to this Britney concert and I was like, this is it. And I knew.
1: So to fast forward, because scene on screen is is this physical dance school. Yeah. There isn't really a tech element to that, but scene on screen is the bit where tech actually begins to come into it. Yeah, And and it's, not to say that that, that scene on screen is not interesting, but interesting at least to this medium, to this particular podcast.
0: Well, I think so. I think... Um, SOS London which is I guess kind of how it's being branded the dance school in London mm. um, was like my my MBA if that makes sense it was my school of life business school right um, where we had in person dance classes that were very successful however my frustration with it was we can power a generation I know there's people all over the world that want to do this and the distribution or business model of SOS London wasn't working mm. Whereas with tech, and I was looking into so many different ways, business models um, that I I think of SOS as like a train carriage with all this talent and amazing stuff on it with without train tracks. And the business model is the train tracks to distribute that talent. Um, And I just when I was testing the different business models on my Excel spreadsheet, tech was the one that was by far the exponential area of growth. Um, and that's where that kind of lent to. So that's why it, was, it hasn't been launched yet, but it's always... I mean, I was created by my husband and I. You know my lovely husband.
1: Mm. No, he's he's, a, he's been on the podcast. He's so. been on the
0: podcast. Um, he's a techie, Yeah, as you know. And so we're working on something behind the scenes that we've like codenamed as Dance Tech. Right. Um, because I'd had ideas for this tech platform literally since 2013, and um, they're still there.
1: Well, it does make sense. I mean if you think about the success of dance games on various console platforms which
0: i've been in oh have you yeah it was, oh, that's i'm a the um, avatar in sony playstation's dance star party really so you play me yeah oh. which was such a fascinating experience because we when we went through the levels we would create a routine or the choreographer would create mm-hmm. a routine and then we would take that one piece of choreography and adapt it for beginner intermediate advanced that'd be
1: my level <laughs> the beginner one, nice. Uh, so, but I do find this interesting because yeah. you've, got, you've obviously got those console platforms where dance is huge. Yeah. You look at Instagram, mm-hmm. and there's so many videos of dance. You think about the success of something like Strictly, and then the, the way that the stars have broken off of that. I mean, mm-hmm. Karen has a dance school and yeah, is always and which I've hired. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there is a huge, as you said, there's huge potential growth there because obviously there's there's an appetite. Yeah. So it's odd that therefore no one had found a way of delivering that to a larger market.
0: I don't think it is odd. No? Because, no, I think I maybe am a bit of a hybrid of different worlds coming together. But dancers aren't thinking about how can I distribute my dance skill from a tech platform. They're thinking about how do I book this job today?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How do I pay my rent? You know, that that's their... How do I be the best artist I can be? Which I really respect. Um, but dancers are focused on, like, the next job. Business people think dance is is pink and fluffy and um, in my experience business people want to date dancers but they don't want to invest in them maybe I don't think business people take dance seriously Um, they might take it seriously if it's presented as an advertising platform and then you use the pink fluffy dancing to get people to click Um, but I don't think the two worlds are necessarily thinking how do I distribute this
1: Hmm. now you sent through some kind of prep before we started recording and you mentioned a stat here that 6.4% of the Fortune 500 CEOs are held by women. Yeah. I suppose that builds to the feeling that business people don't get dance and look I'm Mm -hmm. being I'm very aware that I'm being very stereotypical there by suggesting that women are going to be more into dance than men but But I think by and large that's true right? It's
0: absolutely true.
1: Um, Is that part of the problem when you're going to the business community that this is something that their girlfriend may have watched Dirty Dancing and they're not particularly interested and it's something that's kind of on the periphery?
0: Um, I think it's more that whenever... If I tell people I'm a dancer, I'm a dance teacher, what normally happens is they tell me how they can't dance. I think people... I I would probably
1: fall into that trap. Yeah,
0: I think um, people associate dance... Dance can go two ways. Mm. It can either be this incredible experience of fun and being yourself, or it can be an absolute nightmare. And a lot of people have grown up with dance being a nightmare. And the minute they think of dance, they think about their personal experience of it. So I think you have to get through so many barriers of people's personal negative experience of dance.
1: And I think the interesting point here is that where you have femtech, Mm -hmm. a, a, a male might not necessarily think about a female-built product until it's put in front of them, but they can all relate to, I have a wife, I have a daughter, and they may be faced by these problems. So if you're thinking of something like LV, mm-hmm. where it's kind of uh, I don't know, a smart breast pump or something, most mm-hmm. men can kind of go, oh, right, okay, I know someone that's... I can actually understand this problem. Whereas yeah. even if you are married or you have a daughter, they may not be interested in dance. So it's mm-hmm. an even smaller pool to try and appeal to when well, you're going for exactly. investment. Exactly.
0: And I think a lot of the male investors that I met the first thing they would do is ask their wife or their girlfriend, would you do it, or their daughter. But it was really tricky for me because they the men were in their 40s. Right. So the wives were just out of our demographic and their daughters were too young for it. Mm. So their wives and their daughters wouldn't necessarily use it, but that's because they weren't in our sweet spot demographic of millennial women. Right. Um, so that was tricky as well. Being it, It's literally a product for Gen Z and millennial women. And if you're a middle-aged white man which i would say the vast majority of investors are gen z and millennials is just outside mm. it's either too old or too young too old for daughters too young for wives
1: so how was that process for you hashtag as a- real talk right <laughs> as, as, as a female founder yeah going and pitching for investment yeah how did you find that as an experience
0: to begin with, I thought it was fun. I was like, hey, I go on all these fancy dinners and I get to meet all these cool people. Um, and it all seemed to be going quite smoothly in the beginning. Right. Because I have some incredibly supportive female founders in my life, as I'm sure we'll get on to. And they got the product. They got it straight away. And then they would start in, uh, introducing me to their network of investors, um, which is how I kind of got into that very elite, tiny world of money.
3: Mm-hmm
0: um so i was getting introduced to all these people i was meeting these people they seemed to be interested and they seemed to like me and we got along really well and then it just wouldn't really go anywhere after that or a lot of um a couple of vcs they would need to send it back to their business partners in san francisco and i remember one example they were like it sounds great i'm going to send it back to hq and i and he sent me the name of the partner that was going to review it and i saw that his i looked at gordon and I knew before I'd even heard back that uh, it was going to be a no. What's
1: wrong with the name Gordon? Because I
0: looked at him. I mean, <laughs> Gordon. I can't say his last name, but um, I just looked. I was like, "There's no way that that dude in sitting in a office in Silicon Valley is going to get my is going to get me." And lo and behold, I was right.
1: I don't get it though because, like, genuinely, maybe I'm being really stupid, here, mm. but dance is this huge. Th- like, you think about Step Up and Step Up to the Streets and the amount of sequels yep. that spawned and how I
0: put that in the deck I
1: was like part it's of this, pop culture dance is
0: It's not even that it's that it's literally getting billions and billions of views across social well, yeah. media platforms. But they didn't see it as a way to monetize it. I think it was definitely maybe how I was presenting it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think this is exclusively female, but I know that creatives I, and I'm a creative. It brings it
1: into sharp focus.
0: I come at it from an emotional perspective, mm. which is great actually when it comes to sales and marketing because I know how to pitch my product in a way that will resonate with people okay but then to investors they don't care about the emotion they want to see the data and they want to see what's measured and i never came at it from a perspective of um here's some data here's some graphs here's the like hard hitting money stuff
1: that's interesting that's an interesting point of view though you had Mm. that passion and drive for it and hopes that that would be enough to carry them through the journey and obviously it wasn't
0: yeah um and i think that they didn't and i think also what was really hard about it is if i went if if this was two guys pitching this business and they were like oh yeah the dance stuff is just the fluffy content to bring in the money don't worry about that we'll just get one of our marketing girls on it male investors probably would have got it but i think me pitching it they look at my bio and i went to arts educationals tring park i didn't go to harvard Hmm. um i was a backing dancer i didn't work at i don't know a fortune 500 company I think that their trust she's too risky I don't think she can do it it's a I think it can be sometimes a subconscious thing as well
1: does that experience and insight make you think the system's wrong or that you just need to present yourself in a different way
0: I don't think I should have to change myself I think it uh, because it was really hard going through it but the way that I am makes me successful Mm. and then the when I tried to change who I am to try and get the funding that i needed for my company i ended up almost losing myself in that um and i think it and i almost broke me having to do that um i just thought and it you know it took about three years but i was like i'm barking up the wrong tree here and i'm they're never going to get it and i don't have time for them to get it i've got a business to run and
1: you mentioned your network of female founders and it was that network of female founders that eventually led to you finding investment Yes.
0: Well, kind of. It was um, it was the network I'd been building through seen on screen that Mm. led me to get investors. Um, It was the female founders that got it that gave me the idea, and I was like, "Hmm, there's something in this. Women Mm -hmm. are getting it from a a business perspective," Um, and also that they helped me to believe I wasn't going crazy Mm. and I I was onto something. And then it was an Instagram post on seen on screen's got about seven and a half thousand followers. and a big main I'm now one of them. Yes, you are. Um, and we did an Instagram post and it was the call to action was invest like a woman. Mm-hmm. It was we're going to do an all female round. And we raised our investment round in two weeks from mm-hmm. an Instagram post. And it wasn't female founders. It was successful women who have a disposable income that wanted to invest in a company they believed in. Which I think is really interesting coming back to it from an emotional perspective that I... I, I don't want again I don't want to stereotype because men can be creative and emotional and women can be very calculating but as a rule I know those women invested with their hearts
1: yeah now one thing that I wanted to pick up on um and I think this is quite an interesting thing you've you uh, have dyslexia yes and my wife has dyslexia and she's often talked you know she's mm-hmm. quite creative she's she was an actor in theatres and so on. Yeah. Um. You said it was a nightmare to deal with at school. Yeah. But it's been a gift in your career.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's interesting and worth talking about for a second.
0: Yes, I think so too. Because when people often say to me, you know, seeing on screen script such a great idea, how did you come up with it? Okay. Or equally, you said to me, you know, this seems like such an obvious opportunity. Why is no one else? Why has no one else seen it? um dyslexia is lit- dyslexic sorry literally think differently mm-hmm. steve jobs was dyslexic and there's probably no um it's not a coincidence that his tagline was think different um which can be a massive struggle at school because there's no room to think differently
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's literally think this way and then we'll mark you to make sure that you have thought this way and it was so hard because rather than saying okay well your brain's just wired a little bit differently it was you're just not that bright or you're just not working hard enough and it was inc- it was so I probably need to get some therapy on it to be honest, but it was it was so so hard and so frustrating um of what that does to your self esteem as well. And I literally grew up thinking that I was stupid. What helped you get over that? I'm still not over it to be honest. No. Um what helped me get over it? Proving people wrong again and again and again and again and again. But I'm still not completely over it. It's still something I have to work out all the time.
1: Yeah, but if you're a dyslexic kid at school and you happen to hear someone like yourself talking, then.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, that's true. I think family helped me get over it. Like, my mum was incredible. Hmm. Um, When teachers would say you're like, she would get called in because I would fall asleep. Because honestly, I was so bored because none of it was going in. I would fall asleep at my desk, I would hide under my desk. So I just didn't, I think I was, I can only remember the feeling now. I don't know what I was thinking at that right. time. But um, yeah, I would hide under my desk and she would get called in for for it. And they'd be like, there's something wrong with your child. <laughs> She's disruptive. And my mum would go, that's not my daughter. That's, there's yeah, something yeah. wrong. Um, and she, you know, despite being told your daughter's lazy or whatever it was, she was like, no, there's something up. And she was the one that got me diagnosed as dyslexic when I was about 14. So right. I think it's family and people around you. That's why I love my husband. It's Mm. because he's so formidably intelligent and he has all of the uh, credentials, you know, the right uni and everything on his CV. And he sees the intelligence in me and he believes in me. So I think having people around you that Mm. believe in you is everything.
1: Now we talked about School of SOS. Yeah. If someone wants to find out more, how would they?
0: Um, They would go on at School of SOS on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, Visit our website. We're recruiting instructors across the uk right now so our mission is to empower a generation to believe in themselves yep. as you can tell i've had times when i've had to believe in myself and it's dance that has got me there a lot of the time yep. um and we want to literally empower a generation i want to move the needle on equality and get us there faster through what we do at sos and i can't do it on my own i need instructors you don't have to be a professional dancer you just have to love dance and be willing to work hard um so schoolofsos.com come and find us and if you want to become an instructor sign your ass up
1: <laughs> Bonnie thank you for taking time to talk to us
0: well thank you very much David I've enjoyed it
1: right I don't know where you guys want to start I mean there's several things that I could pull out but is there anything kind of burning that, that you kind of to and thought ooh that's different or interesting
3: um you don't know who Lizzo is oh, oh yeah
1: <laughs> well I do now actually
3: I, I was shocked Yes, I, no, I do.
1: Her. I do love Juice, and I posted on on on, on Twitter that I thought Juice <laughs> is a great song because of Bonnie.
3: She's honestly, wow. she's incredible. I'm hurt that you didn't know of her before. Okay,
1: so apart from my ignorance <laughs> around pop culture, I mean, it's fairly amazing that she managed to raise um, a funding round from Instagram.
3: Yeah, I thought I thought that was incredible that she managed to do that, especially because. Well, she, did, did she say it was like majority women
1: who... Yeah, yeah. So she kind of describes this idea that she, she doesn't think that she should have to change herself. Middle-aged men who are were investors weren't getting it. And then she put out that post on Instagram, 7,500 followers. The call to invest, um, or the call to action rather, was invest like a woman. And they raised their entire round in two weeks successful women obviously investing in something that they believe in
2: were men also allowed to invest of course Okay, just checking because I was kind of worried if they were only saying only women can invest but I mean I'd Mm. rather do it like a girl than
1: no no absolutely Um, but I can understand her point around emotional connection with this right yeah Um,
2: Yeah, and I think it just kind of shows even in the previous podcast we were chatting about is that these guys that start their own companies they're so invested Emotionally, they're they're really passionate about whatever cause it is they're doing. Mm. Like Amy, even the the data scientist guy we're talking about, he he was talking about how much he loves his tech and the space he's working in, which is great. Um, So I do think she made a really good point in the podcast where she said that dancers today are just kind of finding their next gig. You're either a kind of you're a cultural person um, or you are a business person. And she's, she's a really good bridge between the gap, and she comes out there and says, okay, well, you can be both. I um, thought that was pretty inspiring. I thought
1: the way she talks about trains and train tracks was a really neat way of describing it. So okay. tech is the exponential area of growth. Investors don't see it as a business, but the, the train being dancing and the train tracks being tech is mm-hmm. a really nice way of thinking about how mm. tech is disrupting markets
3: yeah and it makes sense as to why she found it so difficult as well because you can see how the kind of people who would have been their investors wouldn't quite potentially see dance as a way that they could like make loads of money and make loads of profit they kind of see it more as a passion I guess but clearly she's proved them wrong and like there there are such good ways to do it and the idea that she's come up with just yeah it proves that you can do that
1: isn't it a wider critique of the investment community as well like if you think about femtech that's a niche Mm. that they don't really understand Mm. and therefore they haven't really invested in in the way that they should and here is a female-led business in an area that is a it is a business area that again they don't understand and they're missing out and not investing and if this if this goes big and there's no reason why a platform you know a platform like this will not appeal to millions of Gen is. Z millennials. Oh, yeah, were. all
2: over the Everywhere. world, hundred percent.
1: I mean would you would you subscribe?
2: Definitely tomorrow. Yeah. Yesterday if I could. <laughs> for Honestly. the beginners, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, to be fair, I yeah. I, I once I once did a foxtrot class for ninety quid for an hour with my wife who oh, can wow. ballroom dance and I thought I'd done quite well and she thought I was hysterically bad. And we oh. never went back.
3: Oh,
1: but you tried. I did try.
3: That's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got kind of musicality, but not the coordination. I don't think. Uh, mm, I don't know. Did you have fun
3: though?
1: Yeah, I did. She didn't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you um, you, know, you can't learn rhythm, Dave. I, I have was... rhythm.
1: I... Hey, I'm, I've got I've got a great eight and a. trombone. <laughs> I, I've got I've got rhythm, all right. Um, yeah, but look, I, and, and, and I do like the point at the end as well about think different. Everyone is wired a little bit differently is a nice way about thinking about mm-hmm. dyslexia and any of those, uh, you know, any, any kind of, I don't want to say disability because dyslexia is classed as a disability and it's, it's not. It is kind of slightly different wiring of the brain, that's all. And often you do find that people with autism, for example, are wonderfully brilliant creative point. and brilliant oh, yeah. at one yeah. thing. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um,
1: uh, so anything else to add?
2: I just think that this is another example of how tech is bringing the world together. Wow. She's just you, No, seriously, I do think that. And I think she's also using dance to do that. What, I, a, what
1: a lovely message in the festive period. But
2: it's no. so true. I, I'm all <laughs> for tech, except when Google's trying to get all our information. Then I'm not for tech. I laughed so much listening to your podcast on that. <laughs> that was <like> my second <laughs> one, yeah. No, well, look, brilliant. Like
1: that. there we go bonnie you're bringing the world together at a time when the world comes together in the run-ups christmas thank you very much for being our guest <laughs> we will go to our advert break and then afterwards we will have a couple of bits of tech news once a month tech talks opens the tuck shop a youtube tech news roundup which is kindly carried by disruptive live disruptive live is the uk's first and only 24 7 tv channel for the technology industry stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the disruptive live website and social media channels you can also catch disruptive live at some of the largest global technology events broadcasting from london Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Two bits of tech news. One that I'm literally going to spend 30 seconds on. Uh, this was published yesterday in The Observer. With Uber's future in doubt, how else might Londoners zip around town? If you didn't have Uber, what would you use?
2: Probably a black cap, which would be very expensive.
1: And so not fun. Okay.
2: Um the tube be... maybe one of those is it only for London maybe one of those little bicycle things Boris, oh my god you two cars. aren't
1: being very disruptive I thought you'd say like Lime or Bird or Lift
2: oh I don't... scooters sure. e-scooters de- yeah. I'd kill myself of them. but there is another car company that I see advertising on my Instagram saying how much they're, they're cheaper than Uber like only a two pi- pound ride it's also the same, same, same Halo maybe or
1: something.
2: could have been could've it's Halo blue Boston. it's blue branding your yeah. branding
1: captain well you two are really boring with these suggestions about what really? else to use there we go I don't
2: know the others really you used Uber I remember La- that Lime is in Lisbon isn't
1: it? yeah but they're, they're also in London
2: oh I've never seen them here. Oh. oh those yellow bicycles
1: no they're scooters
2: oh no but I'm saying the yellow bicycles I'd probably use that
1: oh okay fair enough there we go I'd probably walk right the main <laughs> bit to talk about Twitter is to clear out inactive accounts and free up usernames have you seen this? Twitter has been putting everyone on notice that if you haven't used your mm-hmm. account within six months, they will shut it down on the 11th of December in a move to free up desirable handles and basically do mm-hmm. a, a major clear up of the, of the platform, try and get rid of a whole load of um, uh, kind of like dormant accounts. Hopefully the tech talks following won't drop suddenly on the 12th <laughs> of December. I find out that half <laughs> of our followers haven't actually logged in oh, for the last no. six months. Fingers crossed. Um, but no, this is quite interesting because um, people have said that it's not short sighted. Sorry, they said it's, said it's not very well considered and it's very short sighted, because they're erasing history and furthering the idea that all our work in the internet age is increasingly temporal. So, unlike uh, something like Facebook, Twitter has no process for memorialising the accounts of dead users, and there are basically people saying there are treasured legacy there.
2: So, do we lose all the content that these users have posted? Well, I suppose yeah, that's what, what they're, they're saying, saying. yeah.
1: If, if there's an account of someone that, you, that meant a lot to you, that used Twitter a lot, yeah. uh, that's likely to be dormant and then it'll be gone. I mean, I've got to be yeah. honest. Is Twitter really the way that you remember your loved ones no. after they've gone? Yeah. Of
2: course. Or not.
1: Facebook, or like, it's a bit creepy, right?
2: course not but i mean it would be nice to go go through and scroll through what they used to look at. well
1: okay? people are saying you know so when our communication and self-expression is online these accounts and conversations with them can be a new one of the few ways rem- or remaining ties that we have to them
3: i don't know i don't know look
1: i'm all for tech but that just
3: i don't know like i think initially i think it's probably a good idea to be honest because i feel like there are probably loads of accounts out there that like mine. I've not used my Twitter account for no, no, no. I, I will five be years. You're
2: no. gonna lose it. genuinely
3: yeah. haven't logged on for five years. I don't use Twitter. You're yeah, um,
1: missing
3: out. I mean, maybe. Gold. Well I can make a new one, can't I? You but can't, and yes. I don't I just don't think I I dunno, I get I get that people wanna remember people and like look back at things that other people have done once they're gone, but I feel like there are better like surely short- can't mean that much. I feel like there's better ways to do that. I would agree. I don't think deleting their Twitter account is going to make that much of a difference. I I am
1: all for the ubiquity of technology, but when it comes to remembering your loved ones, maybe traditional ways uh, are
3: relevant to you.
2: And you do have memories as well,
3: like real memories. Yeah.
2: I think you get two types of people out there. You get the one type that keeps a memory box in their room. They put all their love letters in there. And then you get the other the other type of human who's really really happy throwing away an ornament they got from Thailand one time, but that which not... which ex of yours threw <laughs> away no, something? No, 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 not <laughs> at all. I'm just using that as a, I'm using that as an example. And I think that this is where this comes in. These are the problems we're facing with the two different types of people with technology. Like I would be very annoyed. I've posted some stuff on Twitter, but I haven't used it in the last six months. But there goes my whole history of Twitter. Where's well, going? there it goes. if go you want to keep
1: your Twitter accounts folks you've got to log in before December the 11th otherwise you're gone Oof. anyway right on that note um, joy to the world we'll go back to that bringing peace to everyone and happiness um, happy
3: December happy
1: December you want to say Merry Christmas but I've told you it's too early Yeah. it is a bit too early
3: happy December though
1: happy December happy Advent yeah
3: happy, happy Advent, Advent.
1: So we're allowed to say Advent. Surely we should be allowed to say Christmas. It's the same flippin' religious festival.
3: Well, you said it, not me,
1: Ah, Dave. There we go. (laughs) Anyway, uh, with that, have a lovely week, and we'll be back at the end of the week uh, for War Tech talks.